Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 51. This is Writing Excuses. So, you want to play with format. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Don Juan. I'm Aaron. And I'm Howard. And this is a fun topic to talk about because... I didn't do it, really, in any of the stories that I had y'all read, uh, do anything really spectacularly different with format. But I think that short fiction is a place where you see people play around with format and put stories in, into different, you know, into different forms that you don't see necessarily as much mm-hmm. at the novel length. And so I thought, since we were talking about short fiction, it's a perfect time to talk about format. So what do y'all feel about it? It's one of the things I love about short fiction as well is you can be more experimental. You can push the boundaries. It's almost an expectation of, of playing around a little bit when it comes to short fiction. Uh, not that every author has to do it with every story, but, you know, it's, it's a thing that when we see it can be really exciting. One limitation, you know, just from the publishing perspective is that when you're publishing novels, it is pretty difficult to be experimental with format. Um, readers have certain expectations, booksellers have certain expectations, and publishers are trying to meet that. And so often default to being very conservative about it, trying to get a book published that has lots of different formatting or style or is in a different mode or a different length even, um, can be difficult. That said, I've really had great success with certain books that have an unusual trim size, for example. Uh, Shauna McGuire's Feed, we did in an unusual trim size, and that helped it stand out, right? I've had great success with epistolary books. Um, but it is, it, is, it is an uphill climb, whereas in short fiction, you're sort of given carte blanche to be a little freer with it. Publishers aren't as concerned about it. Um, and you can definitely do a lot of fun stuff. Two of my favorite things are uh, on Netflix, uh, Love, Death, and Robots, and on Hulu, bite-sized Halloween. And I like those because both of them uh, are collections of short, unrelated, except in the most general thematic sense, things. And I don't know what I am going to get, but I know that I'm only committing about 15 minutes of my life to getting it. Mm -hmm. Short stories are the same way. Uh, You sit me down with a novel that's doing something hugely experimental that's a big that's a big ask for a reader is to d- to dive into this and to and to just be completely completely unaware of how the format may shift what may mm-hmm. change whereas with short fiction uh a lot of readers love short fiction for this exact reason i want to see something new mm-hmm. i want to short fiction was where i first discovered um uh second person pov yeah. I would have struggled trying to read an entire novel in second-person POV, but now I've read enough of it in short fiction that it feels like, oh, that's a thing. That's, yeah, that totally works. Yeah, earlier this year, we got to have a really big viral moment for uh, This Is How You Lose the Time War, 
from our dear friend Bigelas Dickless, a Trigun uh, uh, community member. Um, who posted about it. And the main thing about their appeal for the book is you can read this in one setting. You can read, it's a short book. You can read it in a night. You can listen to the audiobook. It's only a couple hours. And so I think that... And it's important to say this is an epistolary novel. Yes, and it's an epistolary novel. So the fact that it was very short made it possible for a lot of people to get very excited about this unusual format. The epistolary uh, novel, it was co-written. It's experimental in several different ways. Uh, going back to voice, the voice is very elevated, very distinct. There's a lot of things that are boundary pushing about that book. I feel a large part of why we were able to get away with it, not just get away with it, but have you know enormous success with it, was in part because it was a very tight experience. You're yeah. in and you're out before it overstays its welcome. I'm also going to quickly define epistolary, That's, which yeah, go we, you do it. Then. No, no, no. What I was going to say is we've been dropping some terms, epistolary, second person POV. And I thought what a fun thing to do might be is to take like a bit of a Godiva chocolate box approach to uh, <laughs> non-traditional formats, which is to talk about them say what a couple of them are, yeah. what are they doing well, when might you want to use them, and when might you want to throw them away. So let's start with epistolary. What is it, Mary Robinette? It is a story told in the form of letters. Yay! <laughs> what, why, why tell a story in letters? Like, what, what, why would I want to make that choice if I'm deciding to write a short story, do you think? Or, or a longer story? So there's a couple of reasons. Uh, many of the early novels uh, back in back in the day, um, people were very concerned with verisimilitude, mm -hmm. convincing people that these were real things that really happened. And so putting it in the form of a travelogue or an epistolary, epistolary uh, convinced people, you know, was to convince people that this is real. This is, someone actually had this experience. The book version of found footage. Yes, it, yeah. it, that's a great way to describe it. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, early classic example. Exactly. Um, and so the one of the things that that does is it allows you to bring in multiple voices. It allows you to um, to, to actually be pretty telly with the story. Mm -hmm. So you can cover a lot of ground in a very compressed area. And also, if you want to do unreliable narrators, they're just baked in, baked into that. What are some of the reasons that you think? I think I was thinking about this is how you lose the time war. And mm -hmm. I think part of what's really fun about that book is that Part of it is the actual letters themselves, but it's also how are the letters getting from person to person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the actual act of sending letters is not something we do as much, I don't know, maybe you all do, mm -hmm. as we used to. And so thinking about the way that you present yourself to others is, I think, a big thing that happens in epistolary. How is this person's, who are they sending the letter to? Why are they sending it at this time? You know, what has happened in the interim between the last letter that they received, you know, or if it's back and forth or since the last letter they sent. And so there's a lot of really interesting things that you're learning about the broader world, even in just like the dates yeah. between letters. There are a lot of ways to do a lot of little, like mm -hmm. tiny detailed world building that yeah. says a lot. Going back to our conversation from last week about unreliable narrators, epistolary is such a wonderful way to just reinforce and remind the reader of the subjectivity of who's telling you this story, yeah. right? And also, it uh, because they're telling it to another person, you can feel them shaping their worldview to meet the other person's expectations, right? And so, in Time War in particular, the, story, the letters from Red and Blue, they start opposed and they end up together and, you know, really 
as that journey progresses, you can feel the change in the relationship by how they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And so it just gives you like all these extra levers to play with. It's very hard to pull off in an engaging way because sometimes if it feels like reading someone's letters, that's not always the most exciting thing to do. But when you do it right, it gives you such a way to um, embed you in a world, embed you in a voice and a perspective that is hard to do in other with other tools. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and invent a term because I don't know the term. I don't know that a term exists. And it is the semi-sequitur sequential art. John Rosenberg's Scenes from a Multiverse. Mm-hmm. Every, every installment of Scenes from a Multiverse is a new little universe, and the name of the universe is usually part of the joke. And it's four panels in which we explore often some sort of political issue about which John Rosenberg has strong opinions, and we get a punchline and we get ridiculousness, and it's a comic. And I say semi-sequitur because you you rarely come back to these universes and get what happens next, but every so often you do. And when you do, it's completely unexpected. And uh, I, I just picked up several collections of these, and... It's a weird format. Mm-hmm. John, why didn't you just take all the ones that are from the the this one universe and put them together? Well, because you needed a palate cleanser. You needed to forget mm-hmm. that was a thing before you could come back to it. It is a weird format. Um, but but just could, juxtaposition can be such a powerful tool yeah. to highlight, right? You know, it gives you that parallax of being able to see it from one perspective and then another perspective immediately. And that's and, one of the things that Epistolary in particular yes. offers you, yeah. that, that juxtaposition. Yeah. Nice. Can we? I was going to say, before we go to break, I want to pull one more chocolate yeah. out of the box. And this one was mentioned earlier by Howard, which is second person. So, you know, you are listening to a podcast Using the you directly, either directly to the reader or to an unknown kind of Mm -hmm. third, another party within the story. Um, We don't have a ton of time before the break, but any quick thoughts on second person? Love it, hate it, want to marry it? Uh, So I think it's a form that is a natural way that we tell stories. Mm. You know, like, so imagine you're standing in the grocery store line and then... And then what, what do you see in front of you? You know, you, you, this is a thing that we do all the time when we're, we're talking to people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, where it falls apart, uh, when it's, uh, where it becomes difficult, is that uh, you, when you're telling that story, you're deciding for the reader what their emotions are. And so, and if it is uh, not in sync with the emotion that the reader is actually having, then it can be it can be jarring for them. They can be like, "No, that's not how I feel right now." So walking the line between uh, creating this world where you're telling the reader this is the thing that happens, and um, and and adjusting it so that you're not throwing them out of the story by having it be not in sync with their own experience of the story can be can be a yeah, real the reader challenge. has to the reader has to let go a line like, "And you draw your pistol," and my first thought is, "Wait, I'm carrying a pistol." No, I need to let go of that. And you will experience a break right now. During 2020, 2021, I, like tens of thousands of other people, uh, was privileged to discover Dr. Sayed Tabatabai on Twitter as he was writing stories about his experiences in the hospital uh, in tweet format, these vital signs 
by Dr. Sayed Tabatabai is these tweets in book collection. Think of it like think of it like a book of poetry where each poem is a poignant, wonderful, true, deep story about, I don't know, life, death, medicine. Um, it's, it, it's amazing. I, I love this book. Love this book. These Vital Signs by Sayed Tabatabai. All right, we're back and we're still talking about second person. Yeah, the one thing I really love about second person and just sort of pick up on what Mary Robin and Howard were saying is um, I, there was a period a few years ago where I noticed I was reading a lot of short fiction that was using the second person. There was like a mini like little trend of it. And a lot of it was coming from marginalized authors. And I had this thought mm. that one of the beautiful things about second person and one of the things that readers sometimes respond badly to is in the way that unreliable narrators are about the subjectivity of the... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. the narrator, the second person forces you into a particular perspective into someone else's subjectivity because you are being brought into the story in that way. And it's you are doing the thing, you are experiencing this thing. And so what I saw was a lot of people who were trying to write about experiences that were not of the quote unquote mainstream audience um, were using second person as a way to sort of almost like forcibly grab people and bring them into their world, right? So uh, Violet Allen uses super effectively in The Venus Effect. Um, Alyssa Wong has a few stories in this mode. Um, you know, uh, N.K. Jemisin's The Fifth Season uses this in particular moments. Sometimes that second person direct address can really loop someone into an experience in a way that would they would struggle to relate to in another format. I also think if you want to be more antagonistic in some ways yeah. with your with your second person, it can it can be a way to mirror a feeling of marginalization. Yes. You are being told what you do and how you feel, and yeah. I am going to make you feel that way mm -hmm. with this narrative. That can be a hard line because you can lose the reader, but if mm -hmm. they stick with you, like it, it can create that sense of being off balance that I think is a really fun one that that second person sort of makes available. Some a theory that I have about second person as well is that games have actually um, oh, made people yeah. a lot more comfortable with mm -hmm. second person because games spend a lot of time telling you that you have a pistol and even though your character does there's a certain amount of having to like lose that but what about my id you know feeling and my ego that I think we've gotten used to because that's now yeah. a storytelling type it, yeah. it's part of the change from doom guy never gets to speak to you know, uh, Master Chief and Halo has dialogue, right? And we saw, like, Destiny famously started with with dialogue. They took it away, and then they put it back for your character, in part because there was this debate over what is your subjectivity of the character, what can you tell people to do? 
And, you know, I think we have all found that letting your character speak makes a more engaged experience, that people are sophisticated enough to be able to ride with some of these things that we sometimes assume is too much for the audience. You know, you've just made me realize that in much the way that that geeks are coming into the mainstream now mm-hmm. because all of the people who consumed it as kids are now in power, all of us who thrived on Choose Your Own Adventures yeah. are now adults writing fiction. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember kind of vividly uh, playing Skyrim and um, playing as a, Khaji- as a Khajiit and playing as a female. Um, the enemies would sometimes use derogatory terms specific to me being female or me having fur. And because I was in first person uh, camera, I would forget that that was what I looked like. And it was kind of a slap. And and yet I looked back on it and realized, no, this is a valuable experience for me because mm-hmm. this is the way this is the way people other than me often experience the world. Yeah. Love that. What's our next chocolate? I was gonna say it's time for the next chocolate. The next chocolate is stories in non-story format. So stories Ooh. that are pretending to be research papers, stories mm-hmm. that, you know, anything that like it seems like something else, but really it's a story. Yeah. One of my favorite things I ever wrote. It's in the Planet Mercenary books in the liner notes. It is a story being told in the comments section of a document. The comments section was not supposed to go into print. And in the very beginning of the book, we see the miscommunication where they decide, oh, okay, the document comments are going in the margins. And it is a 12,000-word white room story about a group of people trying to finish the book you are holding— and it has a beginning and a middle and an end and a murder and kittens. And it was so much fun to write. And it's one of my favorite things I've ever done because mm-hmm. I played with format in such a such an amusing way. Yeah. Um, in case it's not clear how much I love non-traditional formats, I'm going to continue to talk about client books or client stories. And there was one from a client, Sarah Gailey, who wrote the story called Stet. That is, uh, the, the basic format of it is it is an abstract of an academic paper, and uh, one of the authors is leaving notes on the paper. And in the marginalia in the footnotes is where the action of the story is happening, and you begin to feel the unreliability of the character and start to understand what happened to her that is related to the subject matter of the academic abstract Um I'm very biased, but I think it's an incredible piece of short fiction. It's heartbreaking. It's thought-provoking. If you have any concerns about AI, I recommend reading it. Um, And, you know, there's so much that you can do with that format. And I think, again, it's a very short story. So sometimes that experimental format really lends itself to being like a quick, a a single bite of chocolate to (laughs) to continue with the metaphor. There's a story, and I cannot remember the title, and so I will... I'll see if I can find it to include in the liner notes, but it is told from uh, someone who's like in a Mars rover and it's broken down and mm-hmm. the entire story is just the um, the auto responses from the the help desk. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like how to how to use emergency oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. It's just, and it's hilarious because you can see exactly what is going wrong. Yeah. And I'm sorry, we don't recognize those words. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
I, I also do want to sort of argue with myself for a second. And, you know, I, I've been continually saying that this really works in short formats. And I do think that's true. It also can work at long formats. It's difficult to pull off. Um, very famously, uh, I'm blanking on the author's name, but House of Leaves um, is a very long novel that uses a variety of found format documents. It is it is printed in a very unusual way. It's full color. There's uh, uh, fully epistolary sections. There are journals. There's descriptions of movies in there. It is a brilliant novel. It is one of the most terrifying and unsettling things I've read, even though I'm not sure I would actually call it horror. Um, it just, I found it to be a very disorienting read. It's a brilliant novel. Um, I, I absolutely adore it and highly recommend it for anyone who's interested in how can you push the boundaries of what you can do in a printed book. When you've got a novel that's got chapter bumps, um, lots, lots of authors mm -hmm. find ways to tell stories through the sequence of uh, of chapter bumps. Um, will, will you define chapter, chapter bump? bump? Oh, yeah. chapter bump. It's the, the little blurb at the beginning of a chapter that might be, you know, a quote from the Encyclopedia Galactica at the head of one chapter. Oh, yeah. And the next chapter, um, it's another thing. Uh, Brandon Sanderson's uh, Way of Kings. Yeah, I, I I just call them something different. What is the word that we use for them? I'm blanking on it now. Epigraphs. Epigraphs, yes. Yes. Okay. I was like, yeah. Epithet was coming to my <laughs> mind. I'm like, it's not yes. that. It's, <laughs> it's very different. Uh, also Telling the author, stories and epithets is fun, though. Yeah, yeah. Too. That's uh, its own. You can have an epithet as an epigraph. The author of the book is Mark Z. Danieluski. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, but but speaking of, of that, the, a lot of the techniques that we're talking about here are things that you can mix and match. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was going to say, like, you don't have to dive all the way into the pool. You can dip your toe in the water. Yeah. And I was thinking mm -hmm. about, like, those types of epigraphs are a great way to, like, mm -hmm. practice with a particular form of things. You can have a recipe, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I was thinking of... Spearman, yes. Spearman, like, in between the chapters. And sometimes it's just something that's fun. It can be... Uh, one thing to think about is why are you doing yes. this format yeah. non-traditionally? You can just do it because you want to. So you don't have to have a reason, but it can be something where you're like, the reason those Encyclopedia Galactica things exist is to tell you something about the world that there's really not a good place for within the narrative, but the author still thinks that you yeah. should know. The uh, There was an update to WordPress a few years ago where they, they introduced what they called the block editor, which I absolutely hated. They took away my big freeform editor and they forced me to write in little blocks. And I realized what they were doing is saying, look, you people have been using Twitter to tell long form blog posts. You've been threading these Twitter things. So here is a writing tool that will let you write in the same way that all of you have been thinking anyway on social media. And I remembered looking at it and taking a further step back and realizing, oh my gosh, Twitter is, it's like a poetic form now. I am, mm -hmm. telling, I am telling a thing in tweets and there is a character restriction on how much I can put, which is as rigid as many poetic forms. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak one last chocolate from the box. Um, and that's because I want to talk about footnotes, which is one of my all-time yes. favorite modes of doing something experimental. Uh, they can do all kinds of things. Terry Pratchett used them throughout his entire career absolutely brilliantly. It, the way he does it is so funny, but also cutting and revealing. Uh, more recently, Babel by R.F. Kwong uses them to great effect. Uh, Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norell mm -hmm. uses them. Yeah. Why use them? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, why footnotes? What do you guys like about them? I, I like them because they, they are an aside to the reader. Yeah. And, and I think that, that uh, while they, they break the flow of the story, um, they, they can break the flow of the story in some ways, but it, it, it's also, um, it also feels like you're being invited a little bit farther in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both, it's, it's like a little Venn diagram. I feel like they're both explicitly in conversation with the story and explicitly in conversation, implicitly in conversation with the reader. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're getting this really cool thing where you're getting just a little bit closer and seeing sort of how the sausage is made yeah. in the way that the writer wants you to yeah. see it, You're not which going is great. full epistolary, but you're going a little second person. It's like a yeah. little bit of like, have your cake and eat it too. The yeah. footnotes in in uh, Pratchett and Gaiman's Good Omens, the footnote about, well, this is what might've happened to the third, the extra baby. You know, that's much nicer than what could have happened. And they talk about, you know, tropical fish, whatever. And then much later in the story, we meet this character who... You know, this young boy of the right age who plays with tropical fish. And the footnote says, we liked your version better. (laughs) And it's so delightful having been invited in and told, yeah, "Yeah, this is a more pleasant version of the story. All right. We have gone in. We have explored our chocolate box of non-traditional formats. And now it's time for your homework. So for your homework... What I want you to do is take a scene from a story that you've written or are working on and put it into a new format. So if you've written it straight third person, try turning it into second person. Try turning it into a epistolary. What did you learn in the process? This has been writing excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Hey, have you sold a short story or finished your first novel? Congratulations. Also, let us know. We'd love to hear from you about how you've applied the stuff we've been talking about to craft your own success stories. Use the hashtag WXSuccess on social media or drop us a line at success at writingexcuses.com. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.